Coming up on today's episode of the Locked On Bucks podcast, we answer some of your voicemails regarding the Buccaneers' win as well as their future. You are Locked On Buccaneers, your daily Tampa Bay Buccaneers podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's up and welcome back to the Locked On Bucks podcast. I'm James Yarko, joined as always by David Harrison. You can find everything that we're doing over at BucksNation.com and make sure you follow along on Twitter at Locked On Bucks, at JayArko underscore Bucks, at DH82 underscore Bucks, and at Bucks underscore Nation. Today's episode brought to you in part by Spotify Wrapped. If you're a Spotify listener, use Spotify Wrapped to show us your top Locked On podcast for the year. Take a screenshot and tag at Locked On Live, as well as at Locked On Bucks and David or myself on Twitter, and we will share and retweet, and we appreciate all the love sent to us from our listeners. David, first and foremost, a big thank you to you for holding down the fort yesterday as I had to deal with daddy duties. Um, I told my son, following the, the two games that he had yesterday, that since I missed the Buccaneers game, and then they proceeded to go 0-1-1, that he was going to miss something, and Christmas was canceled. Wow. Yeah. It's a, it's a bit harsh. Hey, by, if if we have an agreement that I'm paying him for the, the coach does the gold stars to put on the helmet, you get uh, you get stars for goals, assists, uh, defensive wins, and if you are the winning goaltender. Mm-hmm. And so I, I made an agreement that every time he gets a gold star, he had a choice, $3 per star or $5 per goal. He opted for the $3 per star because, you know, more opportunity for more stars. Yeah. And I, I, I feel, you know, if I'm going to pay him for the good performances, then, you know, what, what happens for the bad performances, especially when I was supposed to work the game in Detroit. And instead I watched them lose seven to four and tie five to five. Yeah. No, I mean, definitely cancel Christmas worthy as far as I'm concerned. <laughs> I'm not actually a, a, a terrible father, everyone. I'm I obviously was was kidding, but there were some parents that were on my side when we were joking about that when when they were the whole team was being shellacked seven to four. I was like, Yep. I say we go in the locker room and tell them Christmas is canceled and, and some parents were like, Yeah, yeah, the way they're playing, pretty much. Hey, hockey's expensive. It, it's mm-hmm. it's upsetting. I get more upset when when my son's team struggles than any other team. Yeah, you're invested heavily, heavily. But anyway, again, I wanted to thank you for for holding down the fort uh, on on yesterday's podcast. It was an outstanding episode. I enjoyed it thoroughly. Um, found out some interesting information as, as you and I were talking about <laughs> through <laughs> through the podcast. But uh, I know we have plenty of voicemails that we are going to want to jump into. Uh, anything you want to you want to hit on before we start tackling those? No, uh, I enjoyed the uh, the episode as well. I would also like to thank me for for doing that. It was pretty awesome. It, it was it was pretty awesome. I thought it was pretty and, terrible, actually, but I'm glad you enjoyed it. And you'll you'll have to do it again this weekend unless you can coerce evan or bailey to to jump on and join you to do the uh the the texans recap yeah we'll see what happens more 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 hockey weekend yeah yeah lots of traveling traveling to ohio university in the middle of nowhere 
no reason why they're constantly a top five party school in America. It's because there's just it's in the literally in the middle of nowhere. There's there's nothing around. It's terrible. Yeah. Anyway, voicemails. We have those. Let's get to some. Hey guys, JT from Texas. Uh, was wondering, do y'all think that the secondary having to play so many bad and backup quarterbacks this year help them in the long run with confidence and things like that? Do you think next year they're going to be one step further, all of them as a combined unit, against a better level of competition since we di- are going to finish second in the division? Thanks, guys. Keep it up. Great show. All right. Thank you very much for the call. Um, you know, it, I think a big part of this is is the growth that these guys have had together. And it's something that, David, you and I have talked about on here. I talked about it on uh, on the Buck in the News episode of the Pewtercast that I was on with, with Ren and Brent. Um, and it's something that Bruce Arians has brought up. And, and his big thing that he was stressing – uh, I think even on on Monday was how great the communication has been within the secondary during this run. And not all of these performances have come against subpar quarterbacks. You know, even though they, they lost the game, they had a solid outing against Drew Brees, even though, you know, Jamel Dean was was out in that game and it, it turned into a big you know what? Shout out, shout out, Ryan. I'm going to use your favorite word. It turned into a big kerfuffle. They've gone up against Matt Ryan. You know, the, these aren't these aren't terrible quarterbacks by any stretch of the imagination, even though Jacoby Brissett is, is kind of regressing later in the season. Jacoby Brissett is is a, you know, he's a decent quarterback. He's not terrible by any stretch. I mean, David, David Blau, uh, you, I think, David, you said it best. He's like quarterback number 14 teen uh for the lions this year so it, it'll be a big test this week against houston and i do absolutely believe that this secondary is going to be even better next year having another uh off season under their belt another training camp where they're working together do i do i think that the secondary as we see it right now is going to be the secondary on you know opening weekend no, I think they're going to add some pieces, probably add a starter at either corner or safety during the offseason, but we'll see. But you you look at, at the way that Carlton Davis and Jamel Dean and, and Sean Murphy Bunting are really playing together as a unit, and that's the most important thing is, is they are playing as a unit, and they're doing so really, really well. Uh, yeah, they, they definitely are, and that's something that Bruce Arians actually talked about on Monday in his press conference was how the secondary has gotten better through the coordination and through the safeties, kind of reading things and passing that up to the corners and players passing off assignments that they should be passing off instead of passing on guys that they shouldn't be passing off. And all those things, you know, come into play with what you're trying to do as, as a secondary. And honestly, at the end of the day, the ability to communicate with each other, the ability to read, like, uh, I don't know how to put this. So, the Detroit Lions offense with Matthew Stafford is the same Detroit Lions offense with David Blau from a schematic standpoint. So when when the Buccaneers secondary is reacting to what the Detroit Lions are doing on the field offensively with David Blau in there as quarterback, they're still reacting to the same offensive coordinator with the same offensive playbook installed in the same offensive plays. Now, 
you could argue that they're probably a little bit more creative with a guy like Matthew Stafford. They're probably a little bit more creative with a guy like Marvin Jones. I'll give you that. But listen, the Atlanta Falcons just got done defeating the San Francisco 49ers. So what that shows you is that what we already everybody already knows why why the National Football League has the best professional product in this country right now. It's because of parity. Because any given Sunday, literally any team can beat any team. It doesn't matter who you are when you come into the game. You can beat the other guy because of parity. Because the way the draft works, because the way free agency works, the compensatory draft pick system is 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 part of that. Salary caps are are involved in that. The NFL does a lot wrong, I, f- I feel like. But one thing that they do right is the system they have in place for moving players, keeping players in place, uh, again, drafting, adding talent, all that stuff to create parity. Yes, we have a dynasty like the New England Patriots who have won so many Super Bowls. But listen, look at who they've played. Look at who they've played in the AFC Championship games. Look at who they played in the Super Bowls. Every single season, there's an opportunity for a new team. The Baltimore Ravens are the new hotness this year. Next year, Lamar Jackson's probably going to have a little bit of a Patrick Mahomes situation where he's going to come down to earth a little bit. I'm not saying they won't be successful. The Chiefs are doing pretty well. But Pat Mahomes is not lighting the world on fire the way that he was last year. So after Lamar Jackson gets his Madden cover this year or this coming year, he's going to come down to earth a little bit. That's just the nature of things. They're going to have a full season of tape, so on and so forth. So you're never really all that far off is, is kind of my point, right? And we kind of talked about this earlier this season. Like when when the Buccaneers came into that game against the Giants, and everybody said, "Oh, you know, Daniel Jones is starting. They don't have Golden Tate. You know, so on and so forth. This should be a cakewalk." You're still playing NFL talent, right? Mm-hmm. And, and I understand that the quarterback position has the greatest drop off. You know, uh, we kind of talk about left tackles in the NFL. Are there 32 starting caliber offense tackles or left tackles in the NFL? I don't believe there are. Are there 32 starting caliber quarterbacks in the NFL? I don't know. That's that could be debatable. Are there 40? Probably not. But you're still playing against an NFL scheme. You're still playing against an NFL offense. And at the end of the day, like you don't come into the game situation saying, hey, we're going to read David Blau. So when David Blau snaps the ball and drops back on a three-step drop, here's the read. That's not what you're reading. You read the quarterback's eyes, granted. You read some physical tendencies. Yeah, that's that's one of the reasons Sean Murphy Bunting was able to make the break on the interception. Did Granted. But Sean Murphy Bunting can't break on David Blau's tendencies unless he first knows the tendencies of the Lions' offense. The Lions' offense is what it is, whether it's Stafford, Blau, or anybody else. That's where they're getting better, is understanding what they're seeing from an opposing standpoint, communicating what they're seeing properly and on time, and it's it's coming up with great great success. Sean Murphy Bunting has two interceptions in the last three games. Jamel Dean leads uh, every single rookie defensive back this year in pass breakups. I mean, those things aren't happening uh, by accident. Can this unit get better? Of course they can get better. They're going to get better. The problem is, are they going to get better early enough for everybody to kind of relax a little bit? Um, If the season were to end right now, uh, to the caller's point, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers are adding the Philadelphia Eagles and the San Francisco 49ers to their schedule for 2020, if it ended the way it is right now. Either way, either the Seahawks or the 49ers are finishing second place in the NFC West, so one of them is going to be a Buccaneers opponent next year. And either the Cowboys or the Eagles are going to be a Buccaneers opponent next year, depending on who finishes second in the NFC East. Neither of those are going to be cakewalk games. So can the secondary get better? Yes, they can. Are they going to get better to the point where this is a dominant kind of defense? I don't know. I can't answer that right now. We'll see what happens in the offseason. Like James, uh, like you said, who are they going to add if they add anybody? I kind of have my feeling on who they should add. I don't think it's going to be a very popular uh, opinion, but it, it's my opinion. It's it's kind of what I'm looking at. So. Uh, we'll see. We'll see where everything stands 
when the dust settles from the season and everything. But uh, the so I guess a roundabout way to say the improvement is real. Okay, however, I'm not like this isn't a world beater secondary yet. But yes, the improvement is real. David, before we move on to the next voicemail, of course, have to tell you that today's episode is also brought to us in part by Breaking Tea. If you are looking for a last-minute fun sports gift for the holidays, go to breakingtea.com slash locked on. Breaking Tea makes sports t-shirts that are great for all fans. Just go to breakingtea.com slash locked on, then feel free to search the site for great shirts and fun sports gifts. David, let's listen to that next voicemail. Hey guys, Joe from Ocala. Um, good win yesterday. Um, I, I'm calling the, with the question of, it, you know, part of our problem why we can't hold on to leads, I think, in my opinion, is we can't run the ball. Uh, you know, you still have to throw the ball all the time and you're not running a lot of clock. And um, is, is, is it the running backs or is it the offensive line? Uh, I personally think it's the offensive line. Um, you know, that's something that we really need to work on because, you know, next year, if Chris or Mike gets hurt, you know, you're going to have to depend on the running game a little bit more. And I just don't think you're going to be able to have as big of a throwing game against a little bit more of an elite defense. Um, so see what you guys' thoughts are. Um, I am pumped up about the four wins. Um, I am, I've always been a Jameis supporter. I think, you know, we're seeing that, although, you know, the last couple of weeks, those, you know, those first ones are just, just bad throws to me. I wish he could clean those up a little bit, but you know, he's, he's slinging the ball. I mean, the way he comes back, it's, it's something, you know, first NFL player in, in the history of the NFL to throw for over 450 yards, two consecutive games. I mean, that's pretty impressive. Uh, go box. We'll, uh, see what you guys have to say. Thank you very much for the call. And, hey, don't sleep on those first possession turnovers. Jameis has done that five times this year, and the Bucks are 4-1. and one. That's his good luck turnover. We can just leave it at that, though, and not get up into, like, the threes and the fours. That, that would be fantastic. But anyway, you know, is it the line? Is it the running backs? I think it's a little bit of both. And you have to bear in mind, this was an offensive line that was without Donovan Smith. Ryan Jensen got hurt during the game. So obviously that's going to impact him a little bit. I realized that his face turned as red as, as Santa Claus's suit because he was, you know, furious that he was going to have to come out, fought to go back in, didn't miss a snap. But, you know, I think some of it does play into the running backs and the constant rotation of the running backs. It seems like, especially with Ronald Jones, it, it reminds me, David, almost of the, the Doug Martin, Charles Sims splits, where Ronald Jones will get going and then they bring in Peyton Barber who does, who does all right. And then Ronald Jones can't seem to get back into a rhythm. And I I think Rojo is a big time rhythm runner. And once he has to sit for a little while, he just can't seem to get going again. I don't know. I don't know if, if this is the running back core that we're going to see next year i i obviously think that ronald jones will be back will peyton barber be back maybe but i don't know something's got to be done because i don't i don't think they can do anything with this offensive line with how much money is going to these players except to replace demar dotson who 
if if he doesn't retire, um, best of luck to him in his future endeavors because he doesn't need to be in Tampa anymore. Yeah. Uh, so to answer Joe's question, it's absolutely the offensive line. Um, but I am going to be completely transparent in my answer and tell everybody that I am of this. I am in the school of thought that if you have a really good running back with a really crappy offensive line, your running game isn't going to go anywhere. Whereas if you have a really good offensive line with an average or better running back, you're going to make some noise. Um, the Pittsburgh Steelers are kind of a prime example of that, that, you know, uh, granted, you know, things have kind of gone downhill since they've lost, you know, all the receivers and quarterbacks and everything else. But for the most part, they can ins- essentially insert whatever running back they want and still have success. Maybe not, you know, the same success. And that's kind of where the top talent of a running back can go. Like you put Lev Bell in there behind a really strong offensive line and a good offensive system with a good head coach. And he's going to make, you know, more noise than, you know, James Conner is going to in the same situation. So I'll give you that. But just to have a successful Running game, you just need you just need the line. You just need the line and a running back that won't fumble the ball. Hello, Devin Booker. And Ronald Jones is that guy. Like Ronald Jones can do that. Where Ronald Jones falters is in things like pass protection, stuff like that. So that's why guys like Peyton Barber, guys like Dari Gumbawale, that's why they eat into some of those snaps. As far as Peyton Barber coming back, I don't know if Peyton Barber's gonna come back. I kind of have a sinking feeling that he's not gonna come back. And I don't think it's necessarily that Peyton Barber is going to go out seeking to be a number one running back somewhere. I honestly don't think he even believes that he's that guy that he understands he has to kind of work in concert with somebody else who's a little bit faster, maybe a little bit shiftier. But I don't see Peyton Barber really wanting to come back to Tampa for a, on a one-year deal, and I don't see the Buccaneers extending him more than one year. I feel like it's a situation where until Peyton proves that he is a long-term uh, part of a long-term solution in the running back group, that they're not going to want to give him a three- or four-year contract, so they're going to offer him a one. He's probably going to leave because he's going to figure, well, if I'm going to take a one, I'll take a one somewhere in, I don't know, Miami to see if I can prove to them that I can be a three-year back or something, you know, so on and so forth. That's just zero intel behind that, by the way. That's just me. So I think Ronald Jones is going to be back, obviously. Dari is going to be back. Uh, I mean, TJ is probably going to be back, and then I think you're probably going to get uh, a guy in the draft or, or something like that. I don't imagine that they're going to go after like a big name free agent. If, if there's one available, they're not going to trade for Lev Bell in the offseason, anything crazy like that. David Johnson's name has been thrown around and trading for David Johnson at a $10 million cap hit, not going to happen. But if the Cardinals are forced to release David Johnson, he becomes a free agent and basically wants to reunite with BA. But the problem with David Johnson is a lot less about talent and a lot uh, more about confidence. Like, he looks like a running back who is legitimately scared to get hurt again. I don't necessarily blame him, but that's a dangerous thing to have on the football field. So that's where I feel like the issue is in the offensive line. The problem with that comes in, like you're obviously going to replace DeMar Dotson, right? But what else, who else are you going to replace? Like Donovan Smith's not getting replaced. Ali Marpet's not right. getting replaced. Uh, uh, Ryan Jensen, like, I mean, he, he's at a $10 million cap hit next year with zero cap uh, dead money if they release him. But, I mean, do you – Again, it kind of goes back to Donovan Smith question of last year. Who are you going to bring in that's better? I don't know that there is a better. I mean, Ryan's had his problems. You know, the entire team has had problems all season or, and earlier in the season. But, again, in, in a lot of things in life, it's how you finish, not how you start. And how they finish is going to bleed into next year. This is their, again, this is still their first year together uh, from start to finish as a quarterback and center tandem, so on and so forth. I don't see Ryan Jensen's money as one of the main causes of them needing to move on. So, I feel like we're going to get a new running back in the group, but it's going to come through the draft, probably a fifth-round draft pick, something like that. 
and we're going to get a new right tackle either through free agency or in the draft. And that's going to be your offensive line. And they're just going to have to get better as a unit. Um, that's what the coaches get paid for. They're going to have to find a way to get them better in, in, in run blocking because if let's say you replace an Alex Kappa, who are you going to replace him with? And if that person's better at run blocking, okay, if that guy's better at run blocking, but he's a significant downgrade in pass blocking, well, now you're hurting your moneymaker, which is your passing game, to improve your run game. And how much are you going to re- improve your run game? Right now, the Buccaneers are averaging 91 yards rushing per game. You're going to improve it 10 yards per game, so 101. You're still bottom bottom 12 in the league. You're going to improve, are you going to improve it by 20 yards? Like you really think just replacing your right guard is – you know what I'm saying? So – there, there's some give and take here, and, and honestly, I feel like with a record-setting offense that we've talked about, that Bruce Arians and Jason Light are more likely to keep the starting five, or the starting four intact, rather, sorry, and work on their depth versus replacing any more than DeMar Dotson on the starting front. I'd say you nailed it, so let's go ahead and move on to the next voicemail. What's up, boys? Tyler from Boston. Uh, happy Victory Monday. Just to give you guys an idea of what the national media is saying about our 7-7 seven seven Buccaneers, uh, Chris Wessling from the NFL said that uh, he's still not really convinced on Jameis Winston. Called him a good passer, but not a good quarterback. And I feel like that's going to be the biggest thing if we bring Jameis back, hopefully we do next year, is that uh, Bruce Arians and, and the rest of the staff is able to help him make better decisions so that that way we can convince everybody else that he is a good quarterback, which I still believe he is. And I know you guys have been kind of, you know, mixed on him this year. But, you know, games like these give you really good optimism. Uh, congratulations, Jameis. Good Bucks win. Good Bucks defense. Have a good one. All right. Thank you very much for the call. Here's what I'll say about this. The national media is not going to talk about the Buccaneers unless they absolutely have to. They were talking about the Falcons because the Falcons beat who was supposed to be the number one seed in the NFC, and it shook up the the playoff standings. The buck or the the ESPN and and you know the the morning crap shows that they throw out there, they're not going to talk about the Buccaneers beating the Lions. Like they don't care. That does not move the needle whatsoever. As far as the comments about Jameis being a good thrower and not a good quarterback. Here's where I stand. Jameis Winston can be a good quarterback, but right now he is an average quarterback. He's an average quarterback that could be a good quarterback who has done great things down the stretch. But I think Jameis's ceiling is a good to maybe very good quarterback. What keeps him in that average realm, what keeps him in the conversation with the likes of Andy Dalton or um, at this point, Phillip Rivers, um, is the decision-making and the turnovers. It has to continue to get cleaned up. Otherwise, Jameis is never going to reach the level that his his arm and his raw talent can take him to if he doesn't get the little things right. That's what's always going to hold him back. That's what's always going to be the knock about him is not getting this stuff fixed. It's great to sit here and talk about how he's the he's the league leader in passing yards. 
He's three touchdowns behind Lamar Jackson. He has more touchdowns than any other quarterback in football, not named Lamar Jackson. More than Breeze, more than Mahomes, more than Rodgers, more than Brady. But he's got more turnovers than all of those quarterbacks combined. That's the problem. And that's why I I cannot sit here and honestly say Jameis Winston is a good quarterback. He's an average quarterback right now because those mistakes, those problems that have not been cleaned up, that have not been fixed, are what are going to continue to keep him held back behind where he should be as far as how we view the tiers of quarterbacks in the NFL. Um, Jameis Winston's a good quarterback. Average. <laughs> He's a good quarterback. So Jameis Winston's not Tom Brady. He's not Aaron Rodgers. He's never going to be Tom Brady. He's never going to be Aaron Rodgers. He's not Peyton Manning. Hell, he's not even Brett Favre. He shares a little bit of mentality likeness with Brett Favre and all that stuff. But part of the problem is that we we keep trying to, and, and I say we because I've done it too, we keep trying to compare Jameis Winston to somebody else because we're confused, because we all want some sort of assurance that the decision we're about to make is a good one, or that the decision the team is about to make is a good one, the, the decision that we support is a good one. We all want evidence. Here's the problem with evidence. The only thing you get for evidence when you're talking about sports performance is what's already happened. So the only thing we know is what Jameis has already done in his four years and through 14 games this year. That's the only thing you're ever going to know about Jameis Winston, period. Nobody has a clue what's going to happen in 2020, 21, 22, so on and so forth. Not a clue. Nobody, not Jameis, not Bruce Arians, not me, not James, not Greg Allman, not Roger Goodell, not whoever this NFL guy is who wrote this, not anybody. We know what we think could happen, and what we think could happen is some really good stuff and some really bad stuff. Again, the question that you have to ask yourself as an organization is not are you willing to risk what could happen, is are you willing to give up what you know? What you know is you have a quarterback that can put up franchise-setting, franchise-record-setting numbers. You know that because it's happened. You also know you have a quarterback that can, that can give you NFL-leading turnovers. You know that because it's happened. You let him move on, and yes, you've immediately gotten rid of NFL-leading turnover quarterback. But who are you putting in his place? And how do you know that that guy is not going to be the same, worse, or better, but not better enough and how do you know that that guy is not going to or is going to give you franchise record setting numbers the way that Jameis Winston has? And I feel like if you move on from Jameis Winston, you are entering into a world full of way more unknowns than knowns. And it's not as simple as dance with the devil that you know versus the devil that you don't. What I'm saying is what Jameis Winston does, nobody else in the league is doing, both good and bad. But what Jameis Winston does can win you a championship. And that's what I said. I just said it. It can win you a championship. And here's how I know that. The 2019 Tampa Bay Buccaneers are on pace to score 474 points this season. That's 29.71 points per game on average. All right. They have 416 points currently. So as long as they score 29 or more points in the last two games, which may or may not happen, 
they'll finish with 474. Pretty confident they're probably going to finish with at least 430 points, right? But if they if they stay on their current pace, the 2018 New England Patriots scored 436 points, 27.25 points per game, almost two points less per game than the Buccaneers' offenses right now. The 2017 Eagles scored a full point per game less than the Buccaneers are right now. The 2016 Patriots, three points less. The 2015 Broncos, six points, seven points less. So we talk about today's football. We talk about the problem about comparing James Winston to Peyton Manning. That's a different game. Talk talk about comparing James Winston to Brett Favre. That's a different game. These are your last four Super Bowl champions. And they've all scored less points, fewer points per game, than James Winston has his Buccaneers offense scoring right now. This offense can win a championship. This quarterback can win a champ. In spite of everything else, this quarterback can win a championship. The problem isn't just with the quarterback. The problem is with the defensive side of things and the early issues that they this team had with, with their offense, with some of the wrong routes, some of the batted balls, all that stuff. Some of this stuff is on Jameis. Got it. But here's 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 where I hear I hear a lot of discrepancies. There are a lot of disparaging things in these arguments, right? I understand not everybody's going to agree. James, you and I are probably not going to agree on it. Week 17 comes and we're not going to have the same answer. And that's there's nothing wrong with that. But what I don't like about this argument is when I hear certain people, uh, especially media members, who are looked at as having a little bit better knowledge or more in-depth knowledge, in one hand say that this player is held to a higher standard because they touch the ball in every single snap, which I agree with. But then when a positive right is brought up, then the argument turns to, right, but what you don't understand is this is the team and this is the biggest team game out there. Okay, if we're going to hold James Winston accountable for those turnovers, I'm down. Let's hold him accountable for those turnovers. But damn it, hold him accountable or give him credit for all the positives. Because that's what a lot of people don't want to do right now in this conversation is they want to ignore the positives and they want to they want to they want to crucify for the negatives. And then I hear some of these same people say he's not Brett Favre. His mentality is very similar to Brett Favre, but he's not Brett Favre. We knew what we had in Brett Favre, even when he was having all of his interceptions and all of his turnovers. Did we? Let me tell you something. Brett Favre won his Super Bowl with the Green Bay Packers in his sixth season in the NFL. It was his fifth season as a starter with the Packers, right? Because he had the one year with Atlanta that's pretty much a lost season, right? His sixth season in the NFL, Brett Favre won his Super Bowl. In that season, in the Super Bowl, this Hall of Fame quarterback that we're refusing to compare to, how dare we say that Jameis Winston is similar to Brett Favre? He doesn't hold a torch to Brett Favre. In that one Super Bowl that Brett Favre won in his entire career, he threw for less than 250 yards, completed 14 passes, That's fewer than four passes per quarter in the Super Bowl. A Hall of Fame quarterback, 14 passes, and he was 27 years old. Jameis Winston turns 26 in January. If the Buccaneers are playing in the Super Bowl next year, Jameis Winston, ladies and gentlemen, is Brett Favre. He's in his, well, he'll be in his sixth year in the NFL. He'll be 27 years old playing in his first Super Bowl. Brett Favre had a number one overall defense that year. Tell me, James, even with all your, I don't like James Winston anymore. If this Tampa Bay Buccaneers defense is the number one defense in the NFL, tell me that this team is not playoff bound right now. First off, I never said I don't like Jameis. I, I not even as an individual person. Said, you, you think he's an average score? God, answer the same question. 
Yes, they're absolutely a playoff contender. Absolutely. They're a playoff contender. Not only are they a playoff contender with a number one overall defense, they're a Super Bowl contender with a number one overall defense. So to those people out there saying, no, he's not Brett Favre because we knew, quote unquote, we knew what we had in Brett Favre back when that happened. No, you didn't. You had a number one overall defense with a 27-year-old quarterback who threw 14 or completed 14 stinging passes in the Super Bowl for less than 250 yards. You're telling me James Winston can't do that? You're telling me that can't be this quarterback? And if Brett Favre doesn't win that Super Bowl, how long do you think the Packers deal with his turnovers before they send him packing? Is he still a Super Bowl quarterback? Or is he a 14 quarterback who never wins a ring? And is a guy like Carson Palmer who they say, man, he could have been so great, but he never put it all together. I argue if he doesn't win that Super Bowl with his number one overall defense, only having to complete less than four passes per quarter in the Super Bowl, that maybe Brett Favre isn't Brett Favre. But we want to crucify Jameis Winston and say he should be shipped out of town and he shouldn't come back because he's not Brett Favre. But we don't want to give him what the Green Bay Packers gave Brett Favre to make him Brett Favre. That doesn't compute. So if we want to hold Jameis accountable for all the negatives, I'm, I'm down. But let's not discount all the positives that he's doing, throwing for more yards, throwing for more touchdowns, with a much less effective defense, playing from behind when opposing defenses know that he's got to throw the ball, when opposing defenses know that he needs a score. Not just one score, multiple scores in a lot of these games over his career. We can't discount all that stuff. You just can't. It's just it, If you do, then you're not actually sitting at the table to have an honest conversation. And that's what I'm hearing too much of is he touches the ball more than anybody else and he turns over. You know what? Let's look at the O.J. Howard turnovers. Let's look at the Mike Evans turnovers. Look at the Dario Gumbawale turnovers. Let's go snap for snap. Let's go touch for touch. Jameis Winston touches the ball on every single play. What, are percent, what, the, what percentage of touches is Jameis Winston turning the ball over versus the percentage of touches these other players are turning the ball over? That's, that's an apples-to-apples apples comparison. You know what I'm saying? But it's going to be inflated because you're a quarterback. And I, and I understand. Don't get me wrong. I want Jameis to get rid of some of these bad decisions just as much as everybody else, okay? He's got four interceptions over the last two games. Two of those interceptions, everybody, everybody can acknowledge were amazing plays by linebackers. One of them, a captain of his defense, all pro caliber type player. One of them, a dude I ain't never even heard of before who just came out of nowhere but made an amazing play that any quarterback is going to get duped into. There's not a quarterback in the world that can look center, see a linebacker, press the line, look left, and still keep an eye on that line. That's not that You can't humanly do that. You know what I mean? So when we talk about all these turnovers, we talk about the early ones, with the bad routes. We talk about the early ones with the missed hot reads. We talk about the early ones with the OJ Howard tips and, and all that crap. And we talk about some amazing plays by defenses. The amazing plays are going to happen. 24 interceptions is a lot of numbers, right? I haven't gone back and counted them, but Bruce Arians estimate of about 10 of these are not actually on the quarterback. I can agree with that. 14, it still doubles up uh, Tom Brady. But if those, if those 10 interceptions are not tip drilled to the opponent, if those 10 interceptions are not bad routes by the, by the receivers, if those 10 interceptions aren't just amazing plays by defenders, again, is this not a nine-win team? They definitely beat San Francisco if those things don't happen. So there's at least an eighth win. They're eight and six right now at a minimum. They probably, beat, they probably beat Carolina in London. 
They probably beat Carolina. You know what I mean? Like, so again, if we want to, if we want to evaluate the whole spectrum of, I'm not saying Jameis is without flaws. I'm not saying that there's not going to be games or moments where Jameis Winston is not going to do something that makes you say, damn it, Jameis, come on, man. Like those things are going to happen. Okay. But the things that he gives you, the amazing moments, the the great passes, the scrambles, the getting out of sacks, all those things are also going to happen. And it's it's really easy to get rid of, you know, the the bad part of your team and, and all that stuff. But you have to remember, when you get rid of those 24 interceptions, you're getting rid of those 30 touchdowns. You're getting rid of those 5,000 yards he might get. You're getting rid of those amazing evasions or escape of of, of sacks that you're going to get. You're getting rid of all that stuff too, guys. So just just be sure, right? And I say this to a bunch of people, none of us have any control over this. But when it comes down to Bruce Aarons and Jason Light, I just hope they're sure that they understand that when you get rid of the interceptions, you got to come back and you got to replace all those touchdowns and all those yards. Because I don't know who you're bringing in, but if you go from 24 touchdowns to 10 interceptions, or 24 interceptions to 10 interceptions, and you go from 30 touchdowns to 20 touchdowns, you, you're worse. You are a worse offense with those numbers. So that's all I got to say about that. All right. Well, David, we are way, way, way over on time, but I know we have one more voicemail. Let's go ahead and tackle this one real fast. Another great game by the Buccaneers, man. Uh want to know what your thoughts on – Signing Jameis Winston, if he breaks the 5,000 yards, is he guaranteed? I mean, how do you let a 5,000-yard quarterback walk out the door? What do you think his chances are on 5,000 yards? Go Bucks. All right. Thank you for the call. Look, Jameis Winston is 427 yards away from passing 5,000 on the season. And I will tell you this right now. It doesn't matter. Jameis Winston cannot take another snap this season. They could say, you know what? Mike Evans is hurt. Chris Godwin is hurt. Uh, Jameis has a broken thumb. Donovan Smith has a busted leg. I understand we want to get that, that winning record. I understand that Bruce Arians has not had a, uh, what is it? He has not had a eight loss season eight or more losses in a season since he became a head coach is that right or is it he has not had a losing record i don't know something like that yeah. um but Jameis winston could not take another snap they could start ryan griffin against houston and against atlanta and Jameis winston will be re-signed by the buccaneers Jameis winston is not going anywhere so yeah the five thousand yards is a great little tactic for the agent or whatever it honestly at the end of the day absolutely positively does not matter Jameis winston will be back with the bucks in 2020 uh yeah i mean i think the buccaneers should resign him to a five-year contract and call it done and just move on with your life and and figure everything else out so you're ready to give up that five years huh it's not not giving up five years You're, you're giving him five more years with bruce arians in his system that gives time for Bruce Arians to run the course on his career rebirth because I'm he's going to retire within the next five years. Whoever his replacement is, you essentially get to quote unquote handpick your replacement for your now veteran quarterback. And one of two things: if by that time, if 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 three years from now or even four years from now, 
you're going to know what you have in Jameis Winston. Like at 25 years old, okay, the difference between a 25-year-old and a 28-year-old is massive in any profession. The difference between a 28-year-old and a 31-year-old is negligible. You know what I mean? The difference between a 28-year-old and a 35-year-old is different. But anyway, by the time this quarterback hits 28 years old, you're going to be deep enough in this contract where you can, if you if you're smart with the way you construct it, which Jason Light usually is, you're going to be able to move on with him with minimal caps, uh, dead cap or dead money, if any. And so you're bringing another head coach that's either going to continue what you're doing with this quarterback, meaning same kind of theology, same kind of system, so on and so forth, to keep things going, or you're bringing in a coach with a new philosophy, a new mentality, and you're starting over from scratch anyway. But again. The, the the question is always going to roll back to who are you bringing in that's going to be any better and that's going to be significantly less worse, I guess, if that's a good way to put it, to where it matters. I just don't see it. You know what I mean? And you have two wide receivers, two of the best wide receivers in the game. Mike Evans ain't getting any younger. Chris Godwin is is still getting better, as amazing as it is. OJ is coming into his own. Rashad is showing he can be a playmaker. Scotty is is showing flashes if the dude can ever stay healthy for long enough. You've got a good nucleus. You've got a good core. Absolutely zero reason to blow this thing up. None whatsoever. Um, you sign him, you're going to pay him less than if you cap him or if you tag him. So it frees up money to bring up other pieces, bring in other pieces, so on and so forth. Get the train rolling a little bit better, a little bit faster, a little bit stronger. And yeah, if I'm wrong, then in three years, you can just reboot the whole thing. See, now I'm a big fan of the idea of you sign Jameis for three years, put all the guaranteed money in the first two years, and if if it doesn't work, you can move on after two. If it does work, that's when Jameis can make his big boy money. Which I mean, I mean it's, he's, he's going to make big money anyway, but yeah. I, I'm, I'm a big fan of the idea of, of a bridge deal. Like, yeah, I mean, it's show. really not, it's not any, we're not really talking about anything different. You're talking that, three true. years with two years guaranteed. I'm talking five with three years guaranteed. It's pretty much the same thing. Just one more year, I guess, of, of money in there. It's, it's, yeah. Right, right. So, all right. Well, David, that is going to do it for this episode. Coming up on tomorrow's podcast, of course, we have Crossover Wednesday. I will be joined by the guys from Locked On texans as we begin to preview that game but until then please make sure you're checking out everything going on over at bucksnation.com make sure you're sending in your voicemails to 813-444-5841 follow along on twitter at locked on bucks at jarco underscore bucks at dh82 underscore bucks and at bucks underscore nation quick disclaimer um i mentioned this to uh to david uh you right before we started recording i'm officially on a twitter blackout so if you're tweeting to me i appreciate it but i'm not going to see it until friday i am officially twitter blackout until friday because there are jerks out there uh spoiling episode nine of star wars you guys all know what a nerd i am about that stuff and if that movie gets ruined i will be crushed um and of course they're they're avoiding keywords to make sure that it ends up popping up in people's feeds full twitter blackout for me but please still follow anyway and of course david does not care about spoilers so he is more than happy to interact with all of you you guys can bash me i'll have 
no idea that it's happening. I um, hope you all. Somebody learned how to revive dead people and Darth Vader's coming back. Mm, no. You remember when I spit out a random guest spoiler at Game of Thrones because I didn't start oh, watching it yet? And I was, I was actually so right. <laughs> yeah. That was amazing. Oh, that was amazing. But no, we we already know from the promotional material that, yes, the Emperor is back, but not Darth Vader. Yeah, we totally we totally knew that from the promotional because we've been we've been watching that and paying attention. Hope you all have an absolutely outstanding day, and we thank you all so much for joining us right here at Locked On Boxing. <laughs>